21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Well, I think our latest project is, you know, E7 Health uh, had a baby, a stepchild. And that is e-national testing. The best way I can describe e-national testing is, I don't know if you have a, even a minute to go to the website, just go to enationaltesting.com. Basically, we are trying to convert, you know, getting laboratory testing, like going to Amazon. So basically you go there, uh, so you're in the health field, so you can appreciate this. So basically, if you want to get a cholesterol test, a blood panel, an STD test, a women's package, men's health package, whatever you want, you know, instead of waiting uh, three months to see your doctor, three clicks away, you pick your thing, you put your zip code in, you order it, you walk over there, get the test, and the results come back to your portal. This is really our newest project, and this is an evolution of everything we were trying to do with E7 Health, which is to, to develop technologies and platforms that reduce friction for patients, clients, companies, so healthcare becomes as easy as any other commodity you can get. When I say corporate health, what we mean is companies that need uh, certain healthcare done for their employees. So let's say you had, you know, a thousand employees. You want them all to get flu shots, an annual physical. You want them to get, you know, certain vaccines every year, the flu shot. The... So what we do, corporations hire us to be, so we're their outsource employee health department. So a lot of companies have it an employee health department in-house, like hospitals, med a lot of medical, and even non-medical, they have an employee health department, but many companies can't afford to do that. So we become their outsource employee health department, and we provide the expertise, the services. Now with E7 Health, we do it with brick and mortar. With E-National Testing, we've partnered up with, you know, 5,000 laboratories that are now part of our technology. So you can access these 5,000 laboratories using our, our platform. With E7 Health, about one third of our clients are companies and corporations, municipalities, uh, and then, you know, when the other two thirds are a mixture of different things, but we also have retail clients, you know, let's just say you're traveling to, you know, South America, you can, you want to get travel vaccines to protect yourself. Let's say you're starting a new job, you need a drug test, you need some vaccines to get a job at a hospital. So we do, we take care of retail customers as well as companies hire us to provide this service to all of their employees.
originally we started E7 Health in 2009 because the, you know, the CDC releases the statistics that says that there's about 50,000 vaccine preventable deaths in the United States annually. That's more than the number of people that died in the Vietnam War, and that's every year. And so obviously we felt that some company had to, you know, take action and be in the forefront of adult vaccinations and preventing adult uh, vaccine preventable deaths. Now everyone gets it with COVID, but we were doing this prior to COVID. We were almost a COVID company before COVID hit. We were focused on vaccinating adults and then providing all the other care needed around those vaccines to keep adults healthy. So it was a area that nobody focused on. Other people did it as a side thing to their clinic. What we did is we made that our main focus and we didn't do other stuff. We didn't do primary care, urgent care. We just this, did this preventive health and wellness and focused on vaccine-related uh, health care. How did your experience as a physician, healthcare CEO, shape the way you approach the development of E7 Health? That's a really great question because initially, you know, I went to medical school and was and, and became board certified in internal medicine, pulmonary critical care. I practiced, saw patients every day. But then subsequently, I got involved in administrative medicine. I was medical director of hospitals. I was medical director of insurance companies. And then lastly, I taught in medical schools. I was on clinical faculty at three medical schools throughout my career. And I think it was that exposure of seeing patients as well as being an, a hospital administrator, as well as being an administrator for insurance companies, as well as teaching in medical schools that gave me this broad view. And I realized, you know, some of these problems had to have a different approach. And I think sometimes if you're only looking at it from one angle, it's difficult. But I was able to say, hey, what, what's the going on with the doctor-patient? Well, what is the insurance company thinking? What's the hospital thinking? You know, what are every what are all the stakeholders thinking? And once you understand the motives of all the stakeholders, then it becomes clear what the solution is. So back in 2009, we just said, you know what? Let's just remove everybody and just have this be an interaction between two people, the patient and the healthcare provider. Let's get everybody else, let's get government out of it, let's get private insurance out of it, make it super affordable, make it easy, reduce uh, all the friction in the process. Really, um, I think you know uh, we're one of the very few companies in the world, especially healthcare, that literally we have a 5.0 review on Google from all our clients, literally with over a thousand reviews so we uh, literally at uh, 5.0 and part of that speaks to the ease that we've made it and of course my great staff but in addition even on our website we have 10,000 positive reviews in three years and I think that's a testimony to the need and the yearning people have to access health care without all the friction you know waiting three months to see your doctor you know, taking two hours to book an appointment, trying to get through the phone system, having someone call you back, and then getting your results. It's all it's so much work often. And then there's high deductibles and co-pays and, you know, your insurance is approving, not approving. There's a lot. If anyone who's gone through the U.S. healthcare system realizes that it's not a transaction between two parties like, like Amazon is, right? Why is Amazon so good? It's just you and Amazon, right? You want it, they have it. You pay for it, they give it to you, and that's the end of the story. It's not like that in healthcare. There's many stakeholders on every interaction. 
And all of those stakeholders have to be taken into account, what their needs are, what their wants are. So obviously, it doesn't become a simple, this is what I need, you have it, let me you know, take care of me, uh, you know, and then you get reimbursed. It's much more complicated. And this is the problem I realized that needed to be solved, first with E7 Health and now with enationaltesting.com. And uh, I, I suppose both E7 Health and enationaltesting.com were not result of a leap of faith. <laughs> so, so what I'm very interested into, was it more like uh, analogs that you incorporated, like Canada or Europe? or uh, some specific system or antilog as let's do something that is opposite uh, than, than our system. What was the, the, the approach? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny you should say leap of faith because I, I hate to say it, but on some level it was because almost everyone I talked to, almost everyone I talked to said, this is not going to work. Uh, there's no way you can have a system that doesn't involve insurance carriers and the government and it'll never work. You know, people won't go for it. Da, 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 da. So, uh, but I knew that if we made it super affordable, you know, with everyone's co-pays and deductibles, you know, the, people wind up paying anyway, but they pay and they uh, have to spend a lot of time, you know, to get an appointment to be seen. Uh, now, we're not a substitute for seeing your doctor. We, of course, you have to see your doctor. We encourage you to see your doctor. Uh, and, but we want to make it easy for you to access some of the testing that you need in conjunction with seeing your doctor. Uh, so what we thought is if there was a way we, we made it easy. I mean, you know, how, why did Amazon take on traditional bookstores, right? They, there was a leap of faith that, you know, somebody didn't actually need to walk into a bookstore. But they said, you know, if we make it three clicks, Maybe they'll order a book without actually touching it and seeing it because it was so much easier that uh, they're not going to walk into a bookstore necessarily and, uh, you know, we'll give them a little preview of the book. So on some level, it was a leap of faith, but it also came from my many years of experience knowing how much friction there really was. You know, if something becomes so painful uh, to, to go through, then when you can come up with a solution that, you know, like e-national testing, literally, I, I, I think three, four clicks and you can have what you want uh, and that's it. And so to be able to offer that in 50 states, uh, probably a, a mile from almost every listener in the United States that we probably have a clinic that they could go to, especially in all the major cities and, and medium-sized towns. So we thought if we could put together a, a product like that, you know, and also try to make an impact in healthcare because, you know, a lot of people don't access healthcare because they don't have insurance or it's difficult to, to get to see their doctor. It's difficult to get testing done, uh, you know, whether it's uh, cholesterol level, whether it's STD testing. You know, sometimes people, you know, for whatever, because of their situation needs, needs testing right away. You can't wait three, four weeks to get in to see your doctor. You know, we want an easy solution to get tested when you need it you know, HIV testing, um, you know, chlamydia testing, you know, if, if you need it, we want to, we want to make it as easy as a few clicks and you walk in and, and get what you need. So we think in the long run, we can make a impact on, on people's health. And uh, regarding long run and friction, where do you think the friction will be in 10 years? 
well, if things don't change, I mean, things are becoming more and more cumbersome, you know, as healthcare in the United States gets consolidated, you know, just like the airlines in the United States got consolidated, it went from 12 to three, the cellular phone companies went from 10 to three, you know, healthcare is the same things happening in healthcare in the United States, equity firms and Wall Street firms and are buying out practices, hospitals are buying out practices. So it's becoming, you know, less and less choices. So I actually think it may, you know, may get better. I mean, may get worse before it gets better because as you have consolidation, what happens to service? You know, what happened to service in the airlines as we got consolidation? You know, what happened to cellular phone service as we got consolidation? Did it get better? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think anyone would think that the you know, airline industry has better service now than it did 10 years ago. And so you see the consolidation in healthcare. You know, there's a statistics that 20 years ago or so, you know, 75% of doctors work for themselves. You know, they were in business for themselves. Now that number is shockingly down to 25%. So that means 75% of doctors are now employees. And that is really one of the things of healthcare consolidations. Hospitals, Wall Street firms are buying practices and it's becoming much more a commodity where, you know, maybe 20 years ago, you know, a doctor, it was his practice. He took pride in it. Not to say doctors who are employees don't, but there was a sense of ownership of what can I do to move the ball forward. Uh, no, don't get me wrong. I think doctors who, who are employees also do a great job and are very committed. But there has been a change. Nobody can deny there's been a change. What I found very interesting is how you effectively communicate complex medical information to the, let's say, general public in very easily understood way. How do you do that? Well, thank you for the compliment. Uh, I think part of it is, you know, I, I was on clinical faculty uh, for many years teaching medical students, residents. Uh, and, you know, I also have lectured to nursing staffs. I've been invited to speak in respiratory therapy conferences and other allied health conferences. I was medical director of a respiratory therapy uh, uh, program. So I've had, uh, you know, 20 years plus of, of calibrating my information to different groups, sometimes the public. Also, you know, I've done a lot of interviews, the Washington Post, uh, Chicago Tribune, USA Today. And I think through all of those interactions, you try to calibrate your response to the audience, right? So you can't be like, you know, I can't speak how I speak to another doctor to, you know, let's say uh, a, uh, a family member or a patient or, and again, of course, it's also from seeing patients for a long time. You understand that at the end of the day, uh, patients hang on to every single word you say. You could say the same thing three different ways and you could have three different responses, but you're essentially saying the same thing. So you realize, and I try to teach this to my medical students, you know, patients hang on to every word. What word you used, how you you said it, what was your body language when you said it, you know, so you could go to your doctor and have a like a rash or a mole, and the way he responds to it, you know, to his, his body language, whether he looked concerned, didn't look concerned, uh, what kind of words he used, this is the stuff you remember when you walk out the door. You're like, well, well, 
you know, he didn't, he seemed too concerned or he didn't seem concerned enough or he seemed, as a healthcare provider, you're in this very unique position that, that you, your words matter in ways that often other professions don't have to be as precise or whatever, you know, what, you know, how, what, how, how my accountant says something to me. Yes, it could have an impact, but I'm not clinging on to every word. But if you're, if you're sick or you have some, uh, or if you have a, a, a serious health concern or a question, you are clinging on to every single word. So hopefully that explains because then you learn how to calibrate the message. You spoke about students as well. So, so you are educator, you are CEO, you're a clinician. How do you balance your roles? And which of those roles do you find the most fulfilling? Or are, are, are they all the same? You know, I'm not trying to avoid that question. I, I, I really don't know because, you know, being a clinician is a gift from God. I mean, there's no other word. It's simply a, a privilege a gift from God to, to be in that role. Uh, you have to honor and cherish and understand what a honor it is and how much responsibility you have. So there, there is nothing like it. There's no other, you know, how, when you can actually make a direct impact in someone's life, uh, there is no substitute for that. You know, uh, if you, uh, you know, even, you know, repair someone's house or their garage door or whatever, that's nice but it's nothing like being able to impact someone's health. So that's, it's gotta be number one. It's a true privilege. But I think part of it is also realizing that there's more than one way to impact people's health other than seeing them one-on-one, right? I mean, you know, what we're doing at enationaltesting.com, you know, uh, we wanna make an impact on, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. So I think it's this com- understanding that if you, there is more than one way to help patients you know you could see them one by one which is great uh, or you could do this and i certainly have been lucky enough to have had the privilege to do both so i don't know if that answers your question but in many ways it's doing the same thing but coming at it from a different way okay and what about technology can you share your thoughts in general on the role of technology in healthcare it's everything it is everything I, there's no way we could be where we are with our te- technology I and mean, we are actually uh, a technology company really masquerading as a healthcare company we really are uh you know we put a large portion of our budget towards our, our own technology proprietary technology development in 2019 we won an award for the best healthcare technology um and part of that is because we looked at third-party technology and none of them really seemed to do what we wanted to do. A lot of third-party technologies are worried about other things other than the patient or the provider. They're worried about maximizing reimbursements for Medicare, Medicaid, you know, checking this box to make this person happy and checking that box to make that company happy. We just want to make two people happy. We want to make the patient as well as my staff. And then we want to get the most incredible quality. 
so no mistakes are made you get exactly what you're supposed to get we don't cut any corners so you can really use technology i mean when was the last time you ordered something from amazon and the wrong thing arrived no, almost never you know i mean that and i want healthcare to be like that i i want us to have it as bulletproof we one of the things being involved in healthcare which is sort of a, a secret that you know a lot of people don't talk about is the number of medical errors that occur in the hospitals and in practice patients get, sometimes can get the wrong medication the wrong dose get something they're allergic to blah 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 so we literally focused on that to make sure that if something wasn't right the system didn't allow you to move forward you know so if you're allergic to something and and, and someone's going to give you something you're potentially is going to match up with that allergy our system uh, ideally will block it and won't let it happen So you can actually use technology, not only to streamline care, but also provide better quality. And also, you know, like everyone thinks their doctor has electronic health records, right? But every time, you know, I, I've seen people go to a doctor's office, what's the first thing that happens when you walk in? They give you a clipboard with 10 pages of paper. Well, that's not electronic. That's like the last thing from electronic, but everyone thinks Oh, but they have like no, no. If you if you have electronic health records, you shouldn't be doing that, right? You you know the patient should be able to register at home or on a computer, on an iPad, blah blah blah. So I think this whole idea that we can actually, you know, take things away from the patients so they don't have to fill out form after form and spend most of the visit talking about their issue, not how to be make other things compliant and other companies happy, but take care of them. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast. A Gold Awarded Journey, hosted by Martin Piskorik. Connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Join our exclusive community, elevate your perspective, and embark on the path to success.